Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Live from the TCL studios, Mackie and Judd. Yes. Thank you, Kenny. Yeah. Uh, we've got Lou Nanny at 10 o'clock. We've got Matthew Collar at 12.15 for some more reckless speculation. Johnny K and an unbelievable basketball game last night to talk about. Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Teague to Towns in the corner. He has an answer. Third three of the game for Towns. Another oh, from boy. deep. Teague finds Towns. Tie game. A three. You bet. Oh, Carl Anthony Towns again from deep. The clock now shows eight. Teague comes up, provides a high screen. Osmond switches on to Butler. Butler down the left alley. Puts it up blocked by LeBron. Back comes J.R. Smith. He calls timeout with one second remaining. Green throws it ahead to LeBron. Makes the catch. He spins. He fires. Oh, he nailed it. LeBron James from the foul line. A turnaround jumper to win it in dramatic fashion. Off the long Jeff Green inbound pass. As LeBron has won it for the Cavaliers. Cavs 140. Timberwolves 138. What a night for LeBron James. Uh, Buzzkill ending for the Wolves, but can we say objectively, and that was nationally televised, that was one of the most fun regular season NBA games in years. If you're a Wolves fan to watch, like, I know it sucked at the end, but I don't even know if I'm mad. Like, that shot went in by LeBron James, and I thought. All right, that was amazing. Okay, you wow. shouldn't. You should wow. not be mad. I saw so much angst on Twitter last night, and I thought to myself, okay, this is a regular season NBA game. Do you realize how much fun that game was? We're talking at the end of th- this season. If you've watched a absolute ton of basketball, and you're told just objectively rank the top three NBA regular season games, that's a top three. It is. That yeah. game was it might so be one. so much fun, and. There comes a point in time, too, with, with a player like James, I believe, where you watch a game like that, and if you're a basketball fan, how do you just not start to say, okay, this is just this is fun to watch. This guy is so special. It's fun to watch. I realize my team might get beat, but you know what? I really don't care that well, much. Well, one thing, one thing I love about the Wolves and Jimmy Butler, based on what you just said, so LeBron James is, is just ridiculous, and... He hits that shot last night, and I do have some gripes, and I know you do too, that we can get into here before the end of the segment, but here's what's great about the new Wolves and Jimmy Butler. He doesn't give a rip about LeBron James. He has a dominant record in head-to-head matchups against LeBron James. Isn't he like 12-7 and overall in his career yeah. against LeBron James or going back the last few years? Uh, there's zero pucker factor when it comes to Jimmy Butler versus LeBron. It's just haymakers back and forth. I heard LeBron on the post game on ESPN praising he spent the whole post game interview just saying how amazing Jimmy Butler is. I mean put it this way. Jimmy Butler didn't have a lot of success guarding LeBron last night cuz LeBron kept hitting step back three pointers and fadeaways and he just went classic triple double dominant LeBron James. But he was guarding him all night for the most part. Mm-hmm. So Jimmy Butler played 35 minutes last night, maybe more than that. It's like 30 whatever it was, 37 minutes. 
guarded LeBron James all night, the most dominant force in this era of basketball, and still went for 35 points, six rebounds, five assists, going all out on both ends of the court the entire night. He played for- unbelievable. 46 minutes last okay, night. Okay, 46 Jimmy minutes. Butler played played overtime, 40, I guess. So, yeah. yeah, 46 minutes last night of, of that, that game. But, yeah, I mean, he is the, – the thing about this, too, is if you're a Wolves fan – how long has it been since this team had the capability to be in a game like that? To get in a game that's that much fun. That was just, that was the type of game where I think you're watching it at about the third quarter, early fourth, you say to yourself, okay, they might not win this game, but I can't turn away. It's just great. And you think about, I'll, I'll go back to, to what I've always said about sports. If you're a sports fan, you think about all the direct that you watch, right? All the just the bad games, and you like stay tuned for these games, and sometimes you're like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Last night's why. Last night's why, because when you get the payoff of a game like that, it's so great that you say, okay, the absolute garbage I watched is now being offset by this really fun game. You know, offensively, I thought we were very, very good. Defensively, it's going to be hard to win on the road. You give up 140 points. On the, the either drive to the basket, the, the play LeBron yeah. Walker set, did you think you got an open path there? Or? No, I just knew he was going to block it, so I put it up there for him to just. Well, no, that's not what I meant. I thought, I mean, you look at like you beating your guy, is what I'm asking. Oh. But you thought you would. I'm not trying to be smart. I'm not, I mean, okay. I, I would never shoot a shot. I don't think I'm going to make it. Okay. I didn't see him. Okay. That's part of the game. Okay. Good question. Good question. Yeah, great question. Okay, so it was maybe tough to hear if you're uh, listening on AM radio in your car right now, but that was a reporter asking, did you think, so Jimmy Butler got his shot rejected at the end of the the game, and then LeBron came back down, if you, if you didn't see the end of the game. Uh, LeBron came over as a help side defender. Butler got to the rim, mm-hmm. and LeBron rises up and swats it away. You could kind of see it coming, and Towns could have done the same thing. Jim Peterson pointed this out. On the previous play, LeBron James drove baseline on Wiggins, who stood... Wiggins stands no chance against LeBron defensively, and Towns didn't rotate over. But, like, if you're a reporter in that spot, what are you trying to ask him? Did you think you had an open? No, I I thought for sure I was going to get it's rejected, be, but damn it. It's going to be tough to word that question in, in a way that's not going to come off as, well, what well, are you so, looking for? So you saw LeBron coming, right? Well, I guess you, I guess what he's really asking is, why he, didn't you pass? Yeah, yeah, I think he's I think he's saying so. You thought there was a completely open lane to the basket there, and then but it's going to end up. That's the type of question after a guy has played as much it's as on Butler Center right now too, and as well as Butler played last <laughs> night. That's the type of question where eventually you're going to try his patience. Yeah. Uh, so okay, it was fun. It was. I mean, the Wolves put up a great fight. They've put up two nice showings against LeBron James this season. But three memos for Tom Thibodeau, and I know you agree on at least one of these. All right, so. Th- My takeaway last night isn't disaster and Tom Thibodeau should be fired, all these things. Uh, It was super fun and a lot of positives for the Wolves, but there are three things that drove me nuts. Number one, at the end of games, Coach Tibbs, you do have permission to draw something up other than Jimmy Butler dribbling around for 20 seconds and not passing and settling for a low percentage shot. I mean, you do have permission. Carl Anthony Towns, for instance, has made his last 10 three-pointers. Maybe, maybe bounce the ball around to a couple different sets of hands and see what opens up. Yep. Maybe a maybe a cutter, a backdoor cut or something. Yep. Right? Yeah, we've seen the Butler play a lot. Like yeah. Jimmy Hero Ball, it's just like Derrick Rose Hero Ball in the early days of of Tom Thibodeau's Bulls success. Mm-hmm. Number two, defensively, your defensive mastermind. I'm not even questioning your defensive wizardry overall. I know that you know defense, 
But do you know defense in the final second of a game with LeBron James on the court? Because last night, the opposing team, the Cavs, inbounding the ball 10 feet behind the half-court line. Uh-huh. And you had three defenders behind the half-court line on that inbounds pass with the greatest player for sure of our generation and arguably of all time standing at the free throw line. I'll take my chances not defending those three players in the backcourt with a second left in the game. If they want to heave up a three-quarters court shot to try and win it, I'll let that go uncontested, okay? How about put all five defenders down, pack it in the paint, and make someone shoot a 23-foot jump shot. Uh, Make LeBron James catch the ball from beyond the three-point line and hurl up a 25 or 30-footer. And also, in that case, is uh, Cat the guy that that you want defending the inbound pass, or do you want Cat also backed by LeBron as well? I get why you'd want your lanky guy. Yeah. But I mean, but there's so many ways. You don't need three anyway. defenders in the backcourt, right. right? And then number three, speaking of Carl Anthony Towns, yep. the guy had an incredible night last night, 30 points on 12 shots. He's made his last 10 three-pointers. So memo number three to Tom Thibodeau, Carl Anthony Towns needs to touch the ball more in clutch situations and needs to shoot more overall. Mm-hmm. In fact, there are 50 players in the NBA who shoot more per game than Carl Anthony Towns who's one of the best offensive players on the planet. The guy is one of the best three-point shooters in the league, and that doesn't even count like his inside game, which is dominant too. So any game that goes by where he only takes 12 shots is a huge missed opportunity for the Wolves offensively. I asked you Memos to Thibodeau. I asked you before the show, how many shots do you think uh, ideally the town should get per game? How many times do you think he should be shooting the ball? Well, I've, I mean, I've got a list of... So there's two guys in the NBA who shoot 20 times or more. It's pretty rare that a front court guy gets 20 shots or more because you're not handling the ball as much. You're not coming off like screen and roll and you know, pick and pop. Game, but yes. He can. Uh, so Russell Westbrook and James Harden shoot 21 times per game. Greek Freak. So there, then there's a group of like 12 players who shoot about 18 times a game. Um, here are, Here's a few guys who shoot more than Towns per game, mm-hmm. just for fun. Mm-hmm. Austin Rivers, Doc Rivers' son. Yeah, I was going to say. Shoots more per game than All Carl right. Anthony Towns. Yep. D'Angelo Russell, a bust of a second overall pick from a couple years ago. Brooklyn now, right? In Brooklyn, yes. Aging Mike Conley, who's in his 30s now. Mm-hmm. Avery Bradley shoots more. That Evan Fournier guy in Orlando, who's a great outside shooter, yep. takes more shots per game than Carl Anthony Towns. Yep. Tobias Harris, Aaron Gordon. Harrison Barnes shoots two, two more times per game than Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, and including two guys on his own team, Andrew Wiggins. I'm, I'm fine with Jimmy Butler shooting more than Towns. Andrew Wiggins should not be shooting more than Carl Anthony Towns. So it's it's like, it's kind of amazing that they can go toe to toe with some of these teams and they're 10 or 12 games over 500, despite some of these glaring problems you see up and down either late in games or with Carl Anthony Towns and his low usage. So on January 25th, in a loss to Golden State, Towns scored 31 points and took 24 shots. Since then, he has taken 16, eight. 7, 13, 16, and last night 12 yeah, shots. Yeah, he should shoot like almost 20 times per game. Um, he should. I, I think, though, I think on, on your first point for sure, and it goes into the second point a little bit, I think what you're dealing with this year is this, the Jimmy Butler rules to a certain degree. And I think what you're going to have to have, and Wiggins probably is not involved in this conversation at all, but what you're going to have to have after this year is a is a come to Jesus with Butler, Tibbs, and Towns, at which point we morph the Butler rules into the Butler slash Town rules. 
Because I do, I think part of Butler being here is that Tibbs trusts him so much that Butler says, I want to guard LeBron. I'm fine. He says, okay. Yeah. I think Butler says, I want these last shots all the time. Tibbs says, okay. It is okay, but you have to find a way to also, if this is going to be the Butler rules, you have to find a way to incorporate Towns as well because he's too great a talent not to incorporate I, him. I think what's happening here, and, and maybe I think some of it's draft status with Andrew Wiggins. I think some of it's you know the money he's about to make. He's just signed a max contract. And so it seems like the Wolves have a big three. They don't. The Wolves have a big two. Correct. And then Wiggins is kind of a complimentary player. Correct. Wiggins is in that category. It's, it's, so it should be Butler and Towns. That's your that's your headliner. Yes. If there's if it's a concert at Target Field, I went to the first ever concert at Target Field in 2010, mm-hmm. and it was Tim McGraw and Kenny Chesney, mm-hmm. and then Jake Owen. Jake Owen's gonna well open for those two mm-hmm. guys. Andrew Wiggins is the Jake Owen let's to the pretend, Tim McGraw and the Kenny Chesney at Target Field. Let's pretend the Wolves are a band for a second, okay? Jimmy Butler can sing lead on a lot of the songs, but Carl Anthony Towns has to sing lead as well at times. Wiggins can play, he can play lead guitar. Go play the synthesizer he in the background. He can do what he wants. He's not going to sing a whole lot. He can harmonize. Wiggins is the cowbell guy. <laughs> That's but but you need to find a way to get and We don't need more cowbell. <laughs> but you need to find a way to get Cat to sing more songs. Yeah. Here. I mean if, I mean the, the, it should be if you're if you have a roster pecking order, it should be very clearly Butler/Towns and maybe Butler's more the vocal veteran leader, but Butler/Towns and this should apply to shot attempts, everything. And then Wiggins and Teague. Teague, by the way, had 15 assists last night. Yeah. Teague had a sneaky good game, even though he had a couple bonehead plays in the middle. Uh, and then, like, Wiggins and Teague and maybe Jamal Crawford coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. And the way it is now and the way Wiggins thinks about it, he thinks he's in that top tier. And the team kind of treats him sometimes with shot attempts and deferring to him and letting him just take bad shots from 20 feet as if he's in that top group. It needs to stop. Yeah, and It's, they, but, it's Butler in town. And they, and they need to... They need to get to Jimmy and tell him, okay, if there's one guy that you have to incorporate with you and who needs almost as much as you do, it's Cat. Yeah. Uh, there's something, we got to get into this too, in the TCL broadcast studios where we uh, reside every day from 9 o'clock until 1 o'clock. Something we do in sports, and I fell into this trap on Twitter last night. It was a very innocuous tweet that I, I wasn't trying to drive this argument. And it, I woke up this morning and people were still yeah. unfollowing me and yelling at me. But we do something... Wasn't rough. I just I don't no, know. I mean between that and poor Ed, who you oh. cut down on the air. You had a rough day. You were really mean to people. By the way, the phone lines are open for Ed between now and one o'clock. Ed, we're here for you. And I will six five one six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred. Ed and everybody else. Anybody else can call in, and I'll shout you down and cut you off. I'll defend all you people. I'm here for you. Um, so we're going to get into the thing that we do in sports, but we don't really do in any other walk of life. It seems like Lou Nanny at 10 o'clock, John Krasinski on Wolves trade deadline, uh, Matthew Collar with some reckless Viking speculation. Before we go anywhere, Luther Brookdale Toyota is the best car dealership and service department in the Twin Cities, and they have a plethora of brand new vehicles on the lot uh, the 2018 models are all over the place right now. You can get 1.9 APR financing available on all eligible certified Camry models. Uh, also, 2.9 APR financing on all eligible certified RAV4s. The RAV4, this time of year, um, you know, I, so I'm, I'm definitely on the lease plan the last few years. I've gone two- and three-year leases on Camrys, Corollas. I did have a stint with a RAV4 in the summer a couple years ago, but I think my next lease is going to be a RAV4. Just for the wintry conditions, you get so many great safety features, and you get so much spaciousness, great handling, obvious four-wheel drive, reverse cam, 
The RAV4 is one of the most popular SUVs in the world and one of the most durable, highly rated SUVs in the world for a reason. You pair that with the people at Luther Brookdale Toyota, which is the reason I keep going back for the last almost two decades since I got my driver's license. Stop in on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard or LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. All right, listen up, pay attention. Mackie and Judd are back. Action! On 1500 ESPN. Bringing throws it ahead to LeBron, makes the catch, he spins, he fires! Oh, he nailed it! LeBron James from the foul line! A turnaround jumper to win it in dramatic fashion off the long Jeff Green inbound pass as LeBron has won it for the Cavaliers. Cavs 140, Timberwolves 138. What a night for LeBron James! I knew that this would happen. Jordan tweets, sorry, Judd, but where I come from, losing is never, ever, ever, ever fun, especially when they're uh, when they're com- completing have the game with the stupid way they defended the last play. Junior high school coaches would have known to double-team LeBron. I'm not saying that it was necessarily the greatest ending to the game if you're a Wolves fan. What I'm saying is if you don't appreciate that game, I think you're missing something, which was it was a lot of fun to watch. It was. Uh, I, th- I, I think it's the same Jordan that tweeted at me. The defense on the last play ruined the entire game for me. I just can't stand when millionaire coaches don't know what the entire world knew. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say it ruined the game. I mean, the fact that Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler are throwing haymakers and you beat that team. You were up by forty points on that team at home a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It's a. It's a tough loss. It's not a bad loss. It's a tough loss, especially the way that Cleveland's been struggling, and you played pretty poor defense. Depleted Cleveland team, no Kevin Love. So it's disappointing. I wouldn't say the ending ruined it for me. It's a regular season game. The Wolves are going to the playoffs. They're going to get a home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, people are entitled to their opinion on that. 651-646-8255, unless you're Ed, in which case you're not entitled. I'm going to squash you. Ed's not going to come with facts, no. and you're going to completely kill him. In case you're wondering why I mixed cyanide with my drink this morning, Judd, which I'm about to drink live on air here. Okay, this will be interesting, yeah. It's because I got into a LeBron-Michael Jordan argument, obliviously walked into this one, blindly walked into this one on Twitter last night, mm-hmm. woke up this morning and still had people like, I've, I'm unfollowing you. So I just tweeted at the end of the game, wow, that's just the best player, that's just the greatest player of all time doing ridiculous things. And it wasn't meant yeah, to be like... A LeBron-Michael Jordan argument was just like, sometimes you got to shrug your shoulders when a guy that good hits a shot like that. And and bravo. Yep. And yes, they could have played better defense, and there's things that annoyed us. But it was like this barrage of Michael Jordan defenders. And I grew up with Michael Jordan posters. I have a, So I have two cases at home, like five shelves on each, with autographs and memorabilia. I used to collect baseball autographs, and so I have all this awesome memorabilia. I have two shelves devoted to just Michael Jordan stuff. He was my basketball idol as a kid. Uh, And then KG came into the league. So I grew up, my grandma's from Chicago, grew up watching Michael Jordan. It's not a a generational thing. I've seen both careers, and I was obsessed with Michael Jordan as a kid. And so whether, like, I think LeBron James might be the greatest overall player of all time. I don't want to get into that debate. You and I were talking about this before the show. Yeah, and it's been had a thousand times, yes. But what I would like to bring up is, for the people who fight back and just like vehemently say, you're an idiot, how can you say that, LeBron James? Imagine living in a world and watching LeBron James' game last night, watching LeBron James' career for 15 years and his dominance, and dying on a hill to discredit him because maybe, maybe 
He's not quite as great as Michael Jordan, even though he probably is. Like, imagine watching LeBron James for 15 years and dying on that hill. No! Like, how much are you missing out on for 15 years if that's your immediate reaction to, oh, LeBron James might be the greatest player of all time? No! No, he's not, and I'm going to die on the hill to discredit him. And the immediate response on Twitter was overwhelming from some of how could you be so stupid as to say that after he had just had this magnificent game. Here's what I don't get, though. Uh, The older I get and the more I watch sports and watch uh, certain players come and go who are fantastic at what they do, what is the obsession of the sports fan to define greatness with only one player? Like, why, why does it have to be... This guy, Gretzky is the greatest of all time. And if you don't think it's Gretzky, you don't know hockey. In fact, you're an idiot. If right. you say Lemieux or Bobby Orr, <laughs> or here's, Sidney Crosby. here's what you don't get. And you're a, why, why don't we accept the fact that in our lifetime, there's going to be maybe a handful or, or less of great players in each sport and appreciate the differences as opposed to the debate, let's have this debate, LeBron or Jordan, and I'm going to be right. Yeah, well, let's let's apply, and then let's apply that and how absurd it is that we do that, and I'm with you. I mean, it's like, it's like we have no mental capacity in sports to say that, wow, in this era, LeBron James was incredible, and in a slightly different way, Michael Jordan was too, and you know what? I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to ride or die with both those guys. <laughs> yes. We don't do that in any other walk of life. Imagine if we said downtown Minneapolis or pick your two favorite restaurants. Man, I had a dinner at Manny's Steakhouse last night, but Bar La Grassa is so... Like, you had the two best meals of your life at Manny's and Bar La Grassa, yeah. Italian and steak. Yep. And instead of just saying, I'd say that those are the two best restaurants I've ever been to in the Twin Cities, and I would recommend them to anybody. You die on a hill for Manny's. Right. No, Manny's... And you, fight, and on, and you fight about <laughs> it on Twitter constantly, and it becomes your obsession. But I don't I don't understand why, as fans, we can't look at greatness and, and appreciate it and understand there's very few players. This is not like you're saying, well, LeBron James is great, uh, Magic was great, Jordan was great, and, um, and uh, you know, Scott Roth, that first Wolves team, I really enjoyed him. You know, you're, you're picking out a very yeah. small clump of players in, in each sport, and I've never understood the reason why this has to turn into a debate of this guy is the greatest, especially especially when they often bring different skill sets. Right. I mean, there's room in my life for Manny's and Barla Grassa, just like there's room in my life for the Grand Canyon and the Golden Gate Bridge which actually might be a fitting basketball comparison. I love the Grand Canyon and the Golden Gate Bridge. Michael Jordan is the Golden Gate Bridge. Very sort of beautiful, artful game. Uh, Flowing, you know, water, kind of a flowing game, right? Mm -hmm. And the Grand Canyon, a little bit more rigid and rocky and... Plays defense. Arizona. Plays a tough defensive style. I mean, that's kind of LeBron. Sort of a... But, like, in my head, when I think of traveling, I don't think, oh, my God, like... You 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 like the Grand Canyon? It's not it's nothing compared to the tweet, Golden Gate Bridge. You should tweet right now. Grand Canyon is so much better than the Golden <laughs> Gate Bridge, and it's not even close. And well, just see what happens. The comparison I brought up on Twitter this morning was Paris and Barcelona. If you've been to both, and I've never been to either, so maybe they're maybe they're both secretly trash, and I've never been to them. But if you've been to both, you're not dying on a hill to defend Paris over Barcelona or vice versa. There's room in your life for both. But there's not room in our life for Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. Oh, my God. Tom Brady's well, he's got 73 rings, and Peyton Manning failed in the playoffs. Well, Peyton Manning is a better regular, by the numbers, is a better regular season passer in a lot of ways. And Tom Brady was the better maybe closer or had the better coach in defenses. And it's like we can't, it's like we have no mental capacity right, in sports to out. just say, ah, 
you know, there's some nuance here. Manning was better in these areas, and Brady was maybe just a little bit more fortunate in these areas over here, and so they're or, both awesome. Or how, how about uh, saying something as simple as they were both great? We don't really need to decide that one was greater than the other. I and mean, it's really hard to, if you wanna, to decipher, too. If you want to go by rings, okay, you know, rings is fine, but you don't really need to come to the grand conclusion that because this guy won more rings, well, he's automatically better and there's no debate. That, that's, that's why Robert Ory's the greatest player of all time in my book. <laughs> that's what I find so frustrating, though, is this, this, there's no room for debate with what I think, and you're crazy. And, and where does that conversation go? Right. Like, what's the next step to it? Okay, so I'm crazy. And so now you want to keep talking about this so I can say, oh, you're right, I'm crazy. Like, for when I tweeted that last night, and again, it wasn't meant to spark an MJ-LeBron debate. It was, holy crap, the Wolves just got beat, and that's just the greatest player of all time hitting an incredible shot and some whatever. And honest to God, three people instantly, instantly tweeted back that they were unfollowing me <laughs> and followed through on it. Not that, like, I'm going to lose sleep over some, you know, random idiot on Twitter unfollowing, but, like, that's... Incredible to me. Now there are there are there are some comparisons that aren't debatable. That Peyton Manning is the better of the Manning quarterbacks. He's be, he's better than Eli. Eli has as many rings, but Peyton Manning's a better quarterback than Eli. Like if you think that Eli is better than Peyton, then yeah, but you're wrong, and there's there's no debate there. Uh, yeah, but if you're also saying if you're saying that like Joe Montana and Tom Brady, and there's no debate, or Michael Jordan and LeBron James, no debate. That's that's just wrong. I mean, that's there's not a, even... There's a difference between being a fan of a player and that causing you to make an outlandish statement about that player and actually taking what you consider to be two of the greatest players of their generation yeah. and, say, and saying, I understand what both brought. The Niners in the 80s or the Patriots in the 2000s, it's no debate Patriots or no debate Niners. No, there's a debate. Why are you creating is, a, like a, a, a pointless... Uh, what is your life like... If you're up late on a, on a Wednesday night and you see Phil Mackey tweet this, <laughs> and, and you not not only do you debate him and, and or slam him about this, but what is your life like if you hit the unfollow because of that? Like like what are you what are you doing with your life when you're hitting unfollow because a radio talk show host in the Twin <laughs> Cities put something about LeBron James? That, and he just the, said he was great. Like that, that, that. By the way, might be correct. Like, well, well, and it's, I'm it, not going to fight you too much if you say Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. Obviously, but you weren't even starting a debate. Correct. You it's were fun. It's like, fun. What, what's your life? Well, you're sticking up for Ed. First of all, is what you're doing. But second pray, of all, pray it's, for Ed. I mean, Ed Strong. Thank God you guys aren't on a political talk station because that's politics today too. That's that's it's, oh, yeah. well, it's well beyond sports. That's why I hate it's politics. That's, why I hate that's, politics. That's, that's arguing today. It's just what it is. I'm yeah. right, you're wrong, and there's no gray area. Bleep yeah. you. So Skip it, Bayless is setting the agenda for our country in a lot of ways. And now. Stephen yeah, A. too. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's and first re- take. It's undisputed. It's a whole deal. And to what Dave just said. Like we wanna we wanna deal in the black and white so much. Right, wrong, no debate. This ninety percent of all walks of life are in the gray. Sports, anything, like all the travel examples we brought up. You know what? My taste in players is I want a guy who can guard all five positions on the court, a guy who can rebound, a guy who can pass from any corner of the court, uh, with a ninety mile an hour fastball to an open three point shooter. And a guy who can just bull his way to the rim on a regular basis. Speed and size together unmatched by anyone ever. Right. So you could come back over the top and say, yeah, but for these three reasons, I'd still take Jordan. But if your response to that is, you're a moron. (laughs) (laughs) Bleep you. Get out of my life. There is no debate is a really bad way to start a conversation. There's no debate. There's no no debate. In fact, you should be fired. (laughs)
Oh my God! Unfollow. You know what? If you want to debate, six five one six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred. Um, also, the Vikings are going to interview what might be their top candidate for offensive coordinator. And I think if he is number one on their list, it's even more evidence for this guy to play quarterback in week one for them next year. Let's talk about that, too. Phil Mackey, Judd Zogad. My three words for this baffling, embarrassing, and infuriating. Yeah. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. The clock now shows eight. Team comes up, provides a high screen. Austin switches on to Butler. Butler down the left alley. Puts it up front by LeBron. Back comes J.R. Smith. He calls timeout with one second remaining. Mackie and Judd in the TCL broadcast studios. And we're just talking about the absurdity of n- there's no debate guy. The no- There's no debate guy who pops you know into your life, I'm sure. Babe Ruth is the greatest baseball player of all time. And there's no debate. And I don't care that he only played against white guys. Yeah. There's no debating. <laughs> the Sultan of Swat is the greatest player of all time. He never faced a pitcher from Venezuela, the, the Dominican, or an African-American pitcher, or a Japanese pitcher. Those white but, guys were all really good. You, you don't yes, get it. You yes. don't understand baseball. No debating. Right. Like, Michael Jordan might be the greatest player of all time. I think LeBron James might be approaching that. I mean, Michael Jordan was, the, was definitely the best Finals record and finals closer. Never had to face the Dynasty Warriors or Spurs in the finals, but like there's a debate there for sure. And for people who are dying on a hill to, you know, to avoid acknowledging that there's a debate is is intriguing to me. Uh, Jim from Roseville emails the show, Mackie and Judd at 1500ESPN.com. How about this for a great radio idea? Mackie on James versus Jordan, Judd on gun control. And uh, Royce, you can be your guest debating Hall of Fame voting. They could use it to force confessions out of criminals. <laughs> That's not a bad idea, actually. Kind of like it. Um, Minnesota Twins guy says he will die on a hill to defend Barcelona over Paris. That's fine. There I've never go. been to either one of them. Okay. I just picked a couple noteworthy cities. 651-646-8255. Rob, what are you dying on a hill for this morning? Uh, well, I uh, had the audacity to suggest to my coworker that uh, teams would be better served if they went for it on fourth down more often. Uh-oh. And uh, he uh, he didn't appreciate that at all. Oh, uh, was there no was there no debate? There's no debate. You're an idiot. L- let no, me guess. No old school football guy, Rob. Right? Old school football uh, guy said you will yeah. never go for it. And I said that's the problem. These coaches are old school football guys, and they're not going to play that way. Just, no, they're just doing it because they're smarter than all of us. <laughs> well, maybe. No, not really. Oh my God, Rob, that's that's a good Thanks, one. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Let's see, Minnesota Texas Gopher chimes in on Twitter. You guys need to stop this crap, or I'm going to unfollow you. Seriously, the Grand Canyon is the best site ever. You're a moron. You should be fired. Oh, there you go. The Grand Canyon. There's no debating that. <laughs> that one, I'm sure of. Oh my God, there's so many of these too. Like it is. It really is. Think about like, have you ever done this with movies even? Like it's the oh, only yeah. it's the only well, sure. walk of life. I I don't think so. I think people say people might say that one movie is good or bad, but I don't think maybe it is. Maybe it was sports movies. I suppose yeah, sports movies. Major League. Oh or, yeah. Oh yes. So it's only Major sports. League is way better than Slap Shot. There's no debating that. But it's you like, oh, yeah, but well. you never do that with drama movies, right? It's yeah. only with sports movies. Have you ever done it with like Titanic versus <laughs> Avatar? I have not been involved in those conversations, so I do not know. I've not <laughs> well, seen I'm either not, one. I'm so. not debating, you know, a lot of Titanic avid. I'm not getting into the Titanic but, I mean, avatar this is, fight often either. This but. is this, this whole thing about there's no debating is why I hate political discussions. It's exactly why because Dave's right. 
Even though, there, even though we, we act, we do, we set up things called debates. Right. But, but when you right. think about it, you can't. The two things that you cannot talk to people about, and sports you can, but the two things, religion and politics. You can't talk to, you, if somebody disagrees. And Michael Jordan, LeBron James. Yeah. And Tom Brady, Joe Montana. Unfollow. And, or here's another one locally, because we we got this two weeks ago. The biggest Vikings heartbreak. And we debated, 98 was terrible. The lead up to the NFC Championship game had a lot of potential for big time heartache. Because it was a home Super Bowl. It's the best defense in 40 years since the Purple People Eaters. Mm-hmm. You're playing a backup quarterback with the best defense in the NFL. This would be a terrible way to come short of a home Super Bowl. And, like, it's worth debating, and it's somewhat subjective. What's what's the more heartbreak? And I think, you know, the crowd was probably split. Maybe lean toward 98. But then there was 10%, there's no debate guy. There's no debate in your morons, and I'm never listening to you again. It's yeah. like what? I'm going back. I'm going to the FM. I'm going back to the FM. <laughs> Don't forget the other hot local debate, Case or Teddy. <laughs> there is no debate. What? You like Teddy? Why are you ripping Case? Yeah. Why do you think he yeah. sucks? You're right. You're right because the case. Yeah, because hey, Pat Sherman did a great job coordinating the offense. You are discrediting yeah, Case. You hate. You can't stand what? Case. What? You know. You know. Case threw. Two really bad picks in Washington. You're, you should what, be fired. Well, you know what, what? What are you talking about? You're just looking for a thing. No, they were two really, really bad picks. No, you're just looking for things to be negative about with Case. No you debate don't like guy. Case. There's no debate guy. Let's cut Teddy. Uh, like, on the LeBron-MJ thing, you could pretty, like, I could defend either side of that argument very easily, which means that there is a debate. I could say LeBron James is a better rebounder than Michael Jordan. He's a better passer. They're both great passers. I think LeBron James is a better passer than Michael Jordan. His assist numbers are higher. You just watch him, and the guy can throw a dime anywhere he wants on the court. He's a better long-range shooter. I mean, Michael Jordan didn't really start shooting threes until later in his career. LeBron James is a better long-range shooter. He's a more versatile defender. He can defend all five positions. If you put him on a center, he'll figure it out. Michael Jordan wasn't doing that on a regular basis because he was shorter. He was a little bit smaller in stature. But Michael Jordan was a better closer, was a better late-game dagger shooter in some ways, even though I think statistically you could probably compare the two. And he was 6-0 and in the finals. Like, I could fight both of those arguments very easily. Well, So, for no debate guy, Here's my other lost. point about, about guys like uh, Jordan and LeBron as well. Why do... I've never gotten this one. Why do we feel the need to take players from eras and compare them? Their games have changed drastically. I mean, their sport has changed. Not their games. Their sport has changed drastically. Yeah. Like, like you go back... As great as Gretzky was, and I saw him play for his entire pro career, but as great as Gretzky was, go back and watch 1980s National Hockey League games. Oh, my God. If you put Sidney Crosby on one of those rinks yeah. with his size but and strength. But, I mean, strength. so why are, we, why are we even bothering with that one? I mean, Bobby Orr brought a new style for a defenseman uh, to hockey, which was fantastic to watch. Now go back and watch him play and watch the 60s. Yeah. Or, or let me flip it around. If you were to take Roger Staubach... Like the last five, his last five years were probably his. I mean, he he had a stretch of like six years in the seventies where he was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and consistently had more touchdown passes than interceptions by almost a two to one margin in a lot of those years, which was unheard of in that era. I mean, Roger Staubach. A lot of those guys were throwing twenty interceptions, and Staubach was going, you know, nine picks, twenty seven touchdowns, eleven picks. In an era where it was really hard to do that, imagine if you took Roger Staubach's precision in that era. 
and gave him all the different training advantages that that current quarterbacks have and put him in this era. And the rules? Roger Staubach would be one of the greatest quarterbacks in this era, too, if you gave him all those advantages. Um, but if you just, you know, it, but if you just compare across areas and say, well, he had, I mean, he only had 153 touchdown passes and Phillip Rivers has 350. So Phillip Rivers is clearly better. Well, wait, that's no, that's not the way that you should do that Ab- comparison. Absolutely. It's really, it's really hard. Yes. It's impossible. <laughs> not that anyone's arguing that Phillip Rivers is better than no, Stavok, about, even across airs, but you know, what I'm saying is, is try is trying to take, try to take Babe Ruth and say, Babe Ruth's the greatest player of all time. And he's better than Aaron. No, you have no idea. And maybe he would have adapted and stopped eating bratwurst between <laughs> innings every game. And, and that doesn't mean he wasn't great. It's just impossible to try and extrapolate what he would have done in 1975. Yeah. Six five one six four six eight two five five. We'll get to that Vikings nugget in a second here. John, what's going on? Hey guys, how are you? Good. How you doing? Good. Hey, I just moved here from Cleveland like a month ago, and those people are just crazy. They they don't see anything other than the fact that oh, LeBron's the greatest of all time. They don't see that. You know what? If LeBron's playing the bad boys, LeBron's on his butt the entire game. They don't see anything other than through. You know the the little microchasm of their brains. They've been losing so long and everything else that oh, LeBron's the greatest, and they're gonna shut you up if you don't think that way. And see what I would say, John. Thank you for the call. Is like what I would say is I disagree. I think if Le- I think LeBron James would have played very well against some of those tough guy teams, and because he's big, he's LeBron James is a physical freak. Uh, and, and and the other thing we do is we discredit LeBron for losing in the finals. But we don't. We kind of ignore the fact that Michael Jordan didn't get to the finals in certain years. Where LeBron James getting to the finals ten years ago with Larry Hughes as his sidekick, we discredit him for getting swept in the finals and and like credit Michael Jordan and, for putting up a good fight against the Celtics. And that that is largely because we are heavily influenced by what the media and these debate shows have told us. And the LeBron can't win thing was a great narrative for a while for them. It was fantastic. Now go back to when Jordan played. Did you have sports debate shows? You didn't really. And so so the appreciation for Jordan was like on sports talk shows, and and the patience of that era was completely different. When Michael Jordan at first couldn't get past the Pistons, the natural progression in the NBA back then was you got to push past your best opponent, and eventually you'll do it, which the Bulls clearly did. But by the time LeBron played, it was, okay, this guy can't win. He's and, not Michael. And yeah. he's not Michael. And, and at first, he defers too much. But all of these things are built by people like us. They're built by debate shows. I'd like to think that we're more sensible. Well, they're, than... they're built by people in our end of the business, which is, let's at 9 a.m., let's get on and talk about the fact that LeBron James is a really good player, but he can't finish. Yeah. And then, and then, and then the other thing, too, is, you know, not to turn this into an actual Michael Jordan-LeBron James debate, because that's not what the point of these last two segments are. You know, LeBron James went into certain finals with either the Heat or the Cavs and was an underdog going into the series because you're facing Greg Popovich, Tim Duncan, and these great Spurs teams, a dynasty, or you're facing maybe the greatest collection of talent ever put together in the Golden State Warriors. Michael Jordan, let's be honest, when he went to the finals, he faced kind of a meh Portland team one year, a fading Lakers team at the end of their run in the early 90s. His early rounds were actually tougher. The Suns? Yeah. His early rounds were tougher th- than his finals. Sure. 651-646-8255. What's up, Paul? Uh, first, I want to say I'm in favor of bringing both Case and Teddy back. I thought that Case Keenum uh, played his way into at least having a chance for the starting spot going into training camp. And I think it would be a mistake to let T. 
kitty go until they can see how healthy he is. But that leads to my debate topic. I've never understood why football doesn't look at replacing the quarterback other than uh, when the quarterback's obviously hurt, why they don't look at bringing in another quarterback if the starting quarterback is having a bad game like they do in baseball. When I've brought this up on other uh, sports show topics, it's been uh, quickly dismissed as, well, that just doesn't work in football. And I don't understand at all why. I, I, I think that uh, making adjustments uh, is part of coaching football. And I think that uh, considering putting another quarterback in if one guy is having a bad game should be uh, something uh, more frequently talked about, more often debated. And uh, then final comment. Hold on, Paul, you're wrong and there is no debate. You're wrong and there there is no debate. Yeah, there you go. Final comment is how come we haven't had more discussion, or at least I haven't heard more discussion about the lack of coaching adjustments in that disastrous playoff game in Philadelphia. Yeah, that was uh, we did we did spend th- the entire show ripping th- Zimmer. I think we talked a lot about that. Yeah. There I, was the I think there was plenty of talk about the fact that uh, that Doug Peterson in his last two games uh, took Zim and to a certain degree Belichick to school basically. Yes, and in both those games he outcoached them. Yeah, if if there was any question about Doug Peterson's you know value as a coach, and I I was kind of unsure mid season. Because, you know, who knows? Uh, I think those questions and can now, be put to bed. Doug Peterson, greatest coach of all time. No debate. No. Zero In fact, debate. you should be fired if you even talk to me about this again. <laughs> Everyone should it's be amazing. fired, except uh, for me. Speaking of Doug Peterson, one of his assistants is interviewing today, reportedly, with the Vikings. I think if the Vikings hire John Filippo, the quarterback's coach of the Eagles, I think it means the path is paved for this guy to start week one at quarterback, we are live in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd, Lou Nanny in about 15 minutes as well. All right, let's get right to the heart of this thing. Mackie and Judd are back. Awesome. On 1500 ESPN. Help fight type 1 diabetes by joining 1500 ESPN and Channel 5 and 45 at Mall of America. Saturday, February 24th for the JDRF1 Walk. Join Team KSTP co-captained. By 1500 ESPN's Phil Mackey and Channel 5's Chris Eggert and Megan Newquist help us raise money for type 1 diabetes research. For more details and to join the team, head to 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Together, we can turn type 1 into type none. Reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. All right, here is some reckless speculation. The Vikings are reportedly interviewing John DiFilippo, the quarterback's coach of the Eagles today for their offensive coordinator job. It's a little complicated because it's possible that the Eagles offensive coordinator job might be open here if Frank Reich goes to uh, Indianapolis, although it sounds like Leslie Frazier is going to be the new head coach. They're going to talk to Leslie. That's going to be a good hire. Imagine going from what you perceive to be this, this hot shot offensive coordinator, this guru with Tom Brady, getting his second chance at head coaching job, work with Andrew Luck, and then he rejects you at the last minute and you're bringing in Leslie Frazier to like keep a steady hand. Let for me you. tell quarterback. you, there are going to be some tough days in this league when you're a second-year quarterback. And I wanted him to just see the bigger picture, and I wanted him to understand that it's a team game. Even though a lot of people are saying the quarterback's got to do this quarterback, there are some things we needed to do as a staff and as a team to help him. Let me tell you how excited I am to play in Lucas Oil Stadium, the beautiful stadium in mm, downtown Indianapolis. Phil Mack, it's going to be a great challenge for our football team. Going to be a challenging opponent. We're up to the challenge. So, yeah, but Reich still might get the job. 
In which case, DiFilippo would probably be promoted by the Eagles to offensive coordinator. So if if so if the Vikings have DiFilippo number one on their list, and if DiFilippo gets the job, I think it's a clear sign that even even more of a clear sign that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the Week One starter. If all things check out this offseason, now they might still bring back Case Keenum. Maybe they compete it out. Maybe Case Keenum even makes more money just because his market value is going to be higher than Bridgewater. But John DiFilippo has a reputation for absolutely grooming young quarterbacks for big-time success, not just Carson Wentz. Now, he also has a reputation with Nick Foles, you know, helping as a quarterback's coach, getting kind of a backup-type quarterback to be Super Bowl MVP. But I think John Filippo and the reason why he's so appealing, his last, well, two of his last three stops, Derek Carr in 2014 with the Raiders, he was the quarterback's coach in Oakland during Derek Carr's rookie year, in which Derek Carr made a big splash, he started 16 games. Now, they went 3-13, and 13, but Derek Carr threw 21 touchdowns, 12 picks. Uh, he was he was one of the best young quarterbacks in the league at a young age with John Filippo molding him. And then John Filippo left to go to Cleveland, and Derek Carr winds up breaking out the next year. So, so he helped lay the groundwork for Derek Carr. And then he comes in and works with Carson Wentz, and before Carson Wentz went down, he might have been the leader in the clubhouse for MVP of the NFL in year two. So if you're Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer and you have interest in Teddy Bridgewater reaching his potential post-injury, John Filippo's resume and the performances of some of these other young quarterbacks, Carson Wentz and Derek Carr, mm-hmm. would be very appealing. Very appealing. And my understanding of Filippo's contract is it was it's up on February 14th with Philadelphia, and they could have blocked him from talking to the Vikings until that time. They chose not to do so. And you might say, okay, why wouldn't he want to wait to see what Frank Reich does? And if he goes to the Colts, why not stay and get promoted to OC in Philadelphia? Keep this in mind. Doug Peterson is basically the offensive coordinator in Philly. He calls the plays. So if you're Filippo, your choices are stay in Philly. You're the OC. You're still basically the quarterback's coach then in that case, or come here and call plays. So I think this job is actually in some ways professionally, if, if you want to take that next step, more attractive because Zimmer, while he, I think he has a say in the offense, certainly does not call your plays. Um, and, and it also looks, I'm looking at a, a sporting news report from Alex Marvez here. It also looks like the Vikings are currently uh, blocking Kevin Stefanski, who's under contract from talking to the Giants. So my guess is they're going to talk to Filippo today. Uh, if he, they don't give him the job, it's going to go to Stefanski because they talked to Bevel and that group, Dan Campbell and the guy from Houston. Dan, Dan Campbell. Campbell. Lifting weights. They talked to him like uh, those guys two weeks ago. So my guess is DeFilippo's either going to get the job or Stefanski is. So would they block Stefanski? If they hired DeFilippo, would they block Stefanski for taking? I mean, they the, could. a lot of these they jobs are, are filling up. They can block him. They, so you, they would just keep him as the quarterback. The one thing that's never made sense to me about this league is is you can't block a guy from talking to a team about their head coaching job, but you can block a position coach from talking to a team about a coordinator's job, which I don't Interesting. get. But, you know, if you could if you could get John DeFilippo in and you thought he was the a quarterback whisperer, and you really think that Kevin Stefanski is a great quarterback's coach as well, if you could get them together for one year, and then Stefanski goes and takes a coordinator job a the Teddy next guy year. and a Keenum guy. I'm just kidding. I, I said split them, them up. Stefanski, oh, can I be the, Stefanski can be the case coach, and DiFilippo can be the like Teddy Stefanski coach. I thought you had a loyalty to one and No, DiFilippo. no, I'm just okay. saying that, that because my, my guess more and more, uh, because Cousins is going to be so expensive, my guess is they are going to franchise K, uh, Case Keenum, Bring back Teddy, 
and basically have them either compete or have a transition at some point to Teddy, it's going to get awkward. I wonder, though, could you... A lot of this is going to depend on what Case Keenum could get on the open market. So if you wanted something other than the franchise tag for Keenum, because the franchise tag is $23 million and then Bridgewater is going to make... I mean, if, if he becomes an unrestricted free agent... It ain't going to be a million. Like it'll be yeah. like a few million dollars, and maybe incentives mm-hmm. up to ten if he starts all year. So you might wind up paying thirty million for one year for your quarterback spot. But if if you don't franchise Case Keenum because you want him for something less than twenty three million dollars, that's going to have to go into March, right? I mean, unless Case Keenum takes the first offer the Vikings give him, isn't he going to want to explore the open you market would, in early March? Franch- you might not have this resolved until like. The middle of March. If you don't franchise him, he's crazy. If, if he does not hit a market where it's going to be Cousins and then a bunch of teams scrambling. Yeah, I mean, if the Cardinals don't get Cousins, Case Keenum's pretty attractive. So yes, I think they're going. I think they're going to fr- franchise him because they salary cap wise, they're in good shape. And yes, it's a lot for one year, but it's one year. It's not three years. Right. It would be, and if and if he wound up just being the most expensive backup in the league, you could then just say is. goodbye after Correct. after one year. Uh, but the, the Teddy contract is going to be so interesting because it's going to have incentives. If you're Rob Brzezinski, how do you make that work under the salary cap? Like, do you have to account for him maybe making ten million dollars in 2018 if he plays all the games? Brzezinski, you have to make room for that. Really how does that, that work? I have no. It's clue, very complicated. But they're very good at that. The Vikings are very, very good at at the salary cap game. Yeah, unless you know, unless you just give him, hey, we'll give you five million dollars. I like the idea you brought this up too of giving Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe like a few million dollars for this year. If it's maybe you give him a three-year deal that escalates as it goes on, so that he's making like fifteen million dollars in the third year, so it doesn't bite you as much now. If you want to franchise Case Keenum, mm-hmm. and then by the end, you know he's making a fair amount of money. And if he's, he's your starter, or he's just gone. Yeah. Let's come back here. We'll do some more reckless Viking speculation later in the show. Someone emailed a couple days ago. We should get to this. Uh, maybe I don't know when Collar joins us about another quarterback we haven't been talking much about that the Vikings could trade for. So we'll do that later on. But Lou and Annie's going to join us next. It's Mackie and Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studios. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan LEAF. It can move racing forward and take your breath away, like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 8 billion miles driven by LEAF owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change.